gentlemen, we're in for an incredible night. Oh, we're taking it up a notch. I'm one of those people that moves my entire life forward on how I feel. So if I was going to do a business, it had to be the ultimate experience. If the client understands the feeling out the other end, they will buy into it every day of the week because they understand it. If they don't, we're never going to be the right brand for them. And we did that wedding fair and came out with about 4,000 inquiries from 4,000 inquiries? Yeah. We booked three years worth of work off that one off wedding fair. One weekend. Hey, be sure you stick around because we're only getting warmed up. If you have that inner belief, you can quite quickly make other people buy into that. Hi guys and welcome to another episode of Think Wedding Business. Today's going to be a great one. I've got to start with this. Can I leave with this intro? Oh, prepared, oh. right. How do you go from a dream to creating the coolest, most recognised entertainment company in the competitive world of weddings? Well, today we have the man who's done just that and here to, he's here to tell us all about it and how he stays at the top of such a competitive market. Dax on sax! Can I Thank call you, you Dax on sax? You can call me Dax on sax, Dax. <laughs> just not the formal name, Daniel Smith. We'll keep, we'll stick with the artist. I don't think yeah. I even knew your name before today. <laughs> I've always called you Dax. Can we say Dan? Stick with Dax. Stick with Dax. So Dax, for you who don't know, he fronts a super cool entertainment company called 615 and they are massive in the world of weddings. Pretty much worldwide, is that right to say that? Yeah. Definitely worldwide. And from where it all started, what a journey it's been. And I can't wait to hear all of that. And I know a little bit of it, because I think I was a little part of it you many, were. many years ago. You were. Um, so yeah, thanks for being here, mate. Thank and, you and so sharing, much, mate. Coming down to 6.15 HQ here in Preston. We've got mugs. We've got mugs. <laughs> Can't get this at Winghouse. I haven't no. got a mug. So you are privileged. Um, only two in the building. Yeah. Um, but thank you for your time uh, and thank you for inviting me onto your podcast today. Yes. Oh, I did say sax player, so people know that this core thing at the very start was playing sax and now yes. it's evolved. It's now it's do you evolved. Do your little line about Blackpool? Well, I'm going to do, but first Good of all, we've got one very, very serious question, and that question is can you play the Pink Panther? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> God, it's so disappointing. No. Still, I honestly yes, wondered where he was going with that. Baker yeah. Street. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's still a thing. Well, that's all right. We don't need to know anything else. Should we just go now? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. So, you know, it's all about the business side of it, helping people uh, sharing inspirational journeys between yeah. the people that we interview, and you are certainly one of those inspirational people with an inspirational journey, without a doubt. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kick off with this one. So how does that guy that I saw playing the little bar in Blackpool all those years ago? God, I feel old saying that now. Get to being an international star, fronting one of the biggest and definitely the coolest wedding and corporate entertainment companies today. Let's just take it back to the beginning. How did it all start? And where's it? How's it? What things have you done to get where you are today? I know that's a massive broad question. But really just, broad question. Let's just go right from the start. We go back 10 years. I I don't know if many people know. I started playing sax from that. I've always played from the age of seven. So the music has been a big part of my life. My dad was involved in theatre. My mum was involved in theatre. That's how they met. So it's always been a big music route to my upbringing. I then got to the age of 18 
um, and thought, right, the music piece is done, it's out of the way, it's ticked, I'm going to go and do a law degree. So I thought, we're going to go and tick the dot, dot the I's, cross the X's, um, and go into some form of professional life. Yeah. Uh, went and did yeah, a law do degree. Yeah, the typical route. Yeah, Education, so I did a law job. degree. Three years, Sheffield. Um, and then I went to Switzerland for a job and then worked for a bank back in the UK. And my, at that point, I knew that I'd not really had music in my life for a period of about four years. And I just started to get asked to do a few little bits. Howard, you asked me to do a few bits. This was about the time mm. that you saw me. And I've always listened to house music. I've always been interested and been loved um, that, side of, of, of things and at the time the house sax thing was starting to become a bit of a thing in Ibiza and I just started picking up my sax and I remember going to a bar called 137 in Blackpool which is where the bar that you may be talking about yeah that's where Bluebridge used to be yes it the was close shot before it yeah. and I remember going in and I just wanted to play my sax there was nothing more to it and I remember saying to the guy would you mind if I just got my sax and just played over the DJ set there was no money involved I had a couple of beers and I did that for about three months just every Friday Saturday just rocked up and just played and I started to get inquiries as you do yeah. um, you asked me to do a few gigs there was a couple of other people and then what I'd learned from my professional world was how I could merge doing what I loved musically and turning it into a yeah. business. But I'm one of those people that moves my entire life forward on how I feel about any given situation. So if I was going to do a business, it had to be the ultimate experience. It had to be about great customer service, all the things that I knew I valued in my life, mm. this business needed to be replicate, uh, you know, represent all the values yeah, that I have of myself. All or nothing kind of person. Yeah. So when I started to develop, say, my show, I wanted to really get, it wasn't just about me rocking up with a DJ. I wanted to go further than that. I wanted to have control over what were the traps, what was the lighting doing, yeah. what were the sound, what's the mm. stage, what all those elements that I knew changed the way somebody felt became really important. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there became a, a, that's kind of how the business started. So I, in short, came out of a professional environment, started picking my sacks up at the weekend and then thought, right, how do I merge the two? I knew I couldn't do both. Mm. And I learned the skills that I learned from my degree, from the professional world, and then my love for the music that I've always had and put them together. I think that's, because you've had that experience, you've had, you've had that structured, that corporate background, everything's got to be perfect, as you said before, great customer service, logistics, and it's come together when you kind of, you've merged the two. Yeah. And you thought, I'm not just going to go and be a sax player because I love doing sax, which we know you do, but you had all those other elements to kind of help you progress yeah. And run it as a really good, well-run business. Yeah, and then the other side to 
up to that is my business partner who is at the time you know to this day is still shout out to Tom DeLitz by the way yeah yeah massively pivotal in what this business was at the time what it became because Tom was in Manchester in the Manchester scene I wasn't I was a young boy from Blackpool that had never been into the city at that point really yeah. and we met through uh, a mutual friend Danny Howard who's now Radio 1 right um, and then Tom took name me under drop, his wing name drop name drop <laughs> um, but Tom took me under his wing and that's where I started to get the club experience and we definitely between the two of us thought right there's an opportunity here um, I think your timing was really good Yes. Because there was a definitely, I mean, you, you probably know this as well, before you've actually even got into the weddings yourself, but there was a certain moment where DJ and sax and the house music came into weddings and it was like, bang, everybody yeah. wanted that Ibiza, wanted, yeah. that Ibiza vibe at their wedding, that almost nightclub feel. Yeah. It changed the way that night does at weddings were, you know, it might forever. And yeah. Because you want that really cool, immersive experience like you're in a nightclub. It's, it's brilliant. And we, and we, you, you were there right at the perfect time. We were, and we were working in a lot of the venues. There's a, there's a specific venue that Tom and I worked at quite heavily called Neighbourhood in Manchester, which at the time when it launched was the biggest venue Manchester has ever seen. And I guess the one thing that that venue did for our brand is people going in that venue going we want this experience at our wedding and we got we got bombarded for that but we also knew there were like i said to you before there were certain things that had to happen to enable that to be a thing the sound had to be a certain got way. To, i've got to pause you and tell Go you on. a story about this so he's talking about neighborhood and playing one of my brides who i booked i booked one of my weddings i booked dax to come and play during the drink reception and the night before her wedding, I think it was, I had a bride ring me up about midnight, totally pissed, and she was in the neighbourhood, and she said... There's no way it was the night before her wedding, she was pissed I'm in the neighbourhood. I'm pretty sure, oh, it, was, it was close to it. I know her, her husband was out that time, sorry, but... And she said, I've seen the guy playing sax in the neighbourhood, is this him? <laughs> and she literally, I can imagine her doing it, just putting her phone out like that, and you were playing. Yeah. And I was like... How am I gonna know that? You're it's midnight. Yeah. Is is he called Dax? Yeah, I think it's called Dax. That's the guy you got for your wedding. She was buzzing. Yeah. But I think that the takeaway from that is spread yourself out, go to different places, and people mm. will see you, and they're gonna want you for their wedding. You know, hundred percent. And you've got to you've got to do that. You Certainly have, in your sector, I think. Yeah. The, that was that venue was a very special relationship for six fifteen. We started. They opened. The our brand started to gain traction. Their brand started to gain traction, um, but people wanted that immersive experience mm. at a wedding, and we knew we couldn't deliver that just taking one element out of that. So it definitely wasn't a case of we'll just take the sax out of that or the percussion or the DJ. It needed. It was a number of elements yeah, yeah. that made it the experience that we knew it needed yeah. to be. Yeah, not just you playing the sax. Yeah. Was it yeah. 615 from the start or was it Dax on sax? No, six then... so there was there was definitely the period of me getting yeah. some stripes and just doing a few gigs, which was me. Yeah. So it was when you met Tom that you went together. We've yeah, got because we, 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 there wasn't 
the number of sax players that there are now. I think me and Tom at the time were the only two in de- delivering that type of thing, really, in the way that it probably That's, was. Yeah, I only knew of two back well, it's, then. It's like you said, it was it, you, you got maybe got lucky timing-wise, because yeah, it was just yeah. taking off, people were starting to discover this oh, I can have I can have like a sax player with my DJ at my wedding and yeah. make it IB fair and make yeah. it a bit of a party I want that and people, the more people started to see it the more well really the, the way I, I saw that and was <clears throat> lovely Laura in Ibiza because mm. I saw the videos yeah. circulating at the time um, you know and I still keep in touch with Laura now and but she was definitely an inspo for me then to go oh I can merge my love for the house music and my playing and do the two um you know and i have always loved that type of music so yeah. it's an easy thing for me because i've just always been, i'm probably more into the music than i am the sax playing i'll be brutally honest yeah so that's why playing the type of music that i play in the show is very probably different to most because yeah. that music core mm. i'm very involved with what's played and how that's delivered but it was a kind of it was an easy integration of merging two different worlds mm. into one but you guys stood out from the start like straight away because your production level was so much like Pete you know it started to become a thing and yeah. I started to see at weddings when I started and in, in the first couple of years more and more DJ sax combos yeah, yeah. they would turn up plug in play sax yeah. great yeah. you guys went staging lighting production because it comes back to All my it, the initial, wide speakers and yeah. so something was it, different. You know? Was it your background playing in neighbourhood that made yeah. that made you realise that that's what, what it needed what I, to be at our wedding? Yeah, what I realised was everything that people loved about that neighbourhood environment. There was so much work that got it to that point, and we were not just rocking up. We were talking about what were the lighting sequences, what were the tracks, where was. the performance space all these things were acutely discussed mm. rehearsed executed yeah. reviewed changed until we came up with a product yeah yeah that yeah. worked and we used the same thought process with that mm. in our own business which is why the production level of what we do is a specific way because for us it needs to be it's got to be ultimate experience or no experience it has to be ultimate and we knew we couldn't do it by taking any any of those elements out if that yeah you certainly got that element of of kind of perfection or certainly striving for perfection and and it shows you know without, without a doubt and with in the wedding industry because that is you identified that that's what you had to do to make the experience that you wanted to deliver. Yeah. But I'm guessing that costs a lot more than you still. It does. Yeah. So did you find resistance on the pricing side of things from, from weddings? Because all of a sudden you were charging a lot more than probably most. Yeah. And obviously this because the service was so much better and the, yeah. the product was so much better. Yeah. But it must have been a bit alien to a lot of brides and grooms. Yeah. It, it does come with its problems. But I think for the client that values it... We're not looking, we as a business even now, don't go for mass bookings. We are, if it's right for the client and they probably value going to Ibiza because they love and they understand how it makes them feel 
that's probably our ideal client. If you're looking for, what I'm saying is, if the client understands the feeling out the other end, yeah, they will buy into it every day of the week mm. because they understand it. If they don't, we're never going to be the right brand for them, and we'll be really upfront with them and say, it's going to come. You know, our our DJs, typically speaking, probably aren't wedding stereotypical mm. yeah. DJs. They have been club DJs kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah so they've been on the scene and people maybe recognise some of that talent and go, oh, I can have that for my wedding. So they, I guess it's a different proposition yeah. in a way. Yeah, I mean, um, I, when I used to sell Dave out for me, you know, doing he was a club background. And yeah. The song choices were amazing. It was, yeah. It was brilliant, you know, and there's a massive difference between a wedding train DJ yeah. and a club well, DJ well, with a decent well, club history. You know? And ultimately what I know from the club world, which is where you know, neighbourhood bar restaurant, yeah, but it's still a club environment. You know, you our job in that environment is to keep people in. We wouldn't have been there if people were coming and going leaving. Mm-hmm. So you learn quite quickly how to engage how to a dance floor audience, yeah. quite easily because that world, if you can't do that, the general manager of the venue is coming over to you going yeah listen mate we're gonna need to get somebody else in because yeah. people aren't staying in we yeah. need to you know so it's relying they want, they want the money behind the bar don't yeah, they? yeah so you've got to know which is where the talent is very important yeah. for us yeah. it, because a wedding crowd is the same as a crowd going out on a party on a night 100 percent. people are people you know as a bride and groom you well we want everyone on our dance floor all night we don't want all them to night. be disappearing yeah so if we can book someone that can keep them there yeah happy days but i think what you're saying is that people have experienced it Yes. They're, they're emotionally connected to it. Price goes out the window. It's the emotional connection to... So do you find that most people that do book you... Yes. It's because they've seen you already. Yeah. Absolutely. It's because they've seen us already or... And they understand. Yeah. And because we are quite big on brand, you, I think you can look on the 615 Instagram page, for example, and you feel the brand through the content that we produce. Yeah. That's a, trying to get that message through mm. in that way... It's got to be reflective mm. of the experience to. So I think if you understand it and emotionally connect with it, which is what we try and do across every element, mm. um, the, the the it's for the right for the right person. It's the right product. Yeah, I mean we go talk we talk quite a lot, don't we, about how to find the right client. Um, you, I think you're in them places where them and clients are going to sort of gravitate to you and they want that and they've got the money you're in the yeah. right places I'm going to take it out a little bit earlier yeah. so you were, you were, you'd were got the buzz you know the wedding market is where you want to be this yeah. is a good place to be right at the early days you want to go and get wedding bookings what were some of the things that you were doing at the very start to go out and get bookings at weddings um, you come from the bank in the bar you've got to a couple of venues what sort of strategies did you employ to Ours try and get your first different. wedding gigs? Ours was a little bit different. So I did a few gigs with yourself, did a few gigs with a couple of other people, and really interestingly, there was a gig that will always sit in my mind. I did a gig in Liverpool. Somebody booked me off the back of neighbourhood, and I turned up, and the DJ said to me, have you got your mixtape? And I looked at him, and I was like, no, I haven't. <laughs> And I knew that the client was expecting what I what they'd seen in neighbourhood. Yeah. 
And I was like, I'm not going to be able to deliver this. And I walked out that gig and thought, I can't ever do that again. I can't be in that position. So me and Tom spoke, and I don't know if you ever remember Tatton Wedding Fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We took a massive risk. And we both quit our jobs. And we went hell for leather with Tatton Wedding Fair. Because it's not cheap, everyone knows. It's not, <laughs> it's it's not a cheap wedding fair to do. It's we very high like, end. This is going to finish us off. Or it's going to make us... <laughs> and we had a stand and it cost us a fortune we took a loan out to buy the big fancy white speakers that you saw we did we took a loan through the business we did Tatton Wedding Fair and we I think we went into within the space we quit our jobs at the beginning of January Tatton Wedding Fair was at the end of um, January so it was literally a month all our work up to that point was club based so we'd be doing an odd few wedding bits. Yeah. We thought, right, we're going to go and do wedding, Tatton Wedding Fair, but it needs to be big. So we knew we needed a big space for the production, etc. And we did that wedding fair and came out with about 4,000 inquiries from that <laughs> 4,000 inquiries? Yeah. Um, nice. And wow. we booked three years' worth of work off that one off wedding fair. One weekend. And that was it. There you go. There's the answer, guys. There's the answer. The right wedding fair with the right people. Because the the Tatum, it's quite a high end, isn't it? You're not going to get... never seen anything like that, though, at that wedding fair before. No, probably not, no. We got got a lot of resistance going in because they... I knew that to deliver the wedding fair, we had to do it on our way. 6.15 is loud. It's in your face. It's all those things. Brand... um, and we couldn't do it where it was quiet. So we went in and we were all those things, loud, disruptive, da, da, da. but it worked. And we went in and we came away with, and we were like. I think I remember seeing a lot on social media and face, Facebook at the time, people on Facebook Live going, look at this. People yeah, filming it, going, look I, at this. I've so, yeah, got yeah. turned up to this wedding fair, which have always been quite traditional, haven't they? Yes. Go with your mum, you have a glass. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you guys come up. And it was literally carnage. And then, because of the success of it, of what the engagement was, social media was just, it wasn't new, but it definitely people were starting to use it a little bit yeah, more. it's growing. Um, and Tatton wanted us back every year at that point. And obviously through that, you meet the venues. So we started to speak to um, wedding venues. So we speak to Culture Hall, Mary De- not Marydale, they weren't a thing at the time. Delamere Manor. So we, yeah, we, because they were all exhibitors, yeah, and they wanted us on their supplier list at that point. So we were made the connections in the space of a yeah, weekend. And, not not only did you get those four thousand inquiries, which is ridiculous, but you you're meeting the the venues, it was the and venues. The suppliers, and the connections. It was the there venues, well. but because it was, yeah, it was done in a very big way, and by big. The space was big, the production was big, the show was big. It could have gone the other way. It could have, our music was very... You could have had somebody come over and say, Can you, you can't do this. Yeah. But I like the fact you went in there and broke the rules a we little bit. We broke all the rules. Yeah, excellent. Um, <laughs> and that was probably it. But up until that point, we were heavy club so that, was that your launch pad then for that weddings? That was the launch pad, that was so it. We always say about wedding fairs, you've got you to do the right ones. 
And it's not necessarily about getting inquiries or bookings on the wedding fair. It's meeting the other people and creating the network. Hundred percent agree. You smash both of those things. It's interesting, isn't it? Because wedding fair. I would never do a big wedding fair like Tatton. It's because the cost and there's loads of suppliers vying for the same Mm. eyeballs, and it's it's a huge kind of. Yeah. So it's not what I want to do. It's but not the sort of thing I I do. But I think I think his his show lends to it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Big well, yeah. It, it shows it can work as well. Too. So we I know at that point then we met Red, Red from Matt Floral at that yeah, yeah. weekend. Matt, and they, Matt from Red Floral. Yeah, Matt. Yeah. From, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then that became a thing. So there was a brand partnership there, and and every year when we did Tatton up until. You know, I know Tatton's not a thing anymore, but that Red Floral 615 stand yeah. became, it just got bit, we, me and What Matt, did you do there? Did you share a stand then with him? Then? We ended oh. up sharing a stand and building all the production into oh, okay. his tech, but it, it, the space got, every year it was like, we want to do bigger and better than last year, we want to do bigger and better than last year. <laughs> and it just became in the end, this massive, Matt went, you know what Matt's like, super creative. Yeah. Matt went crazy with his. We went crazy with ours, and in the the last one we did, it it it, it was, it was massive, yeah. and it be, definitely became about the show and the statement mm. and the ability to do that than it probably was about. Yes, the sax percussion piece and what we how we delivered it was the icing on yeah. the cake piece, yeah. but it visually before that even started, it was. It was. This is so. That's good. just the ten percent cherry on the cake, isn't yes. it? It's like it's good that you brought up Matt because Matt Red Floral Florist. They've kind of done a similar thing to you guys in that they're not just a florist. They've gone. I mean, Matt just goes ridiculous with his, yeah, yeah. With his creations, and it's it creates a big production from a floral point of view visually. Yeah. yeah. So same for him, I guess, with Tatton walking in and you're seeing this big floral thing and you guys and all of a sudden it's like well this is what weddings can be yes I think and it's, it was a special it connects them to brands doesn't it and they're both real good quality and they're coming together to deliver that experience but it's the same it's, it's all of it together with the right sort of styling at the wedding it, it creates an experience and environment so that and now to the point now the high end weddings have got it's always you guys and 615 yeah. and red floral and the same uh, <laughs> yeah. red and red floral and the same sort of stylists at the same sort of venues because yeah. that it's just a, the production and the experience that it creates and and that's where you know when you look at what definitely worked for us at the time there was the meeting the venues but there's collabing with other businesses yeah that became huge and that doesn't mean you collab collab with everybody. There has to be the core part of the brand needs to align yeah, on both sides. And mm. Matt is one of my good friends, but yeah, he's you've a, got very he's a creative. And I said to you before this podcast, aside from the business that's grown out of what's developed, I'm a rubbish people manager. Yeah, I know that my skill set is creative I look like to look at the space and go right how do we make that from nothing and there's a number of different things that go into doing that mm. and that was where me and Matt with his brand and our brand just totally aligned like the neighborhood thing just totally aligned mm. um so collaboration if you can find the right ones and it's a really good huge. friendship isn't it so 
he's always going to recommend you and you're always going to yeah. recommend them you know and yeah it's the ongoing relationship which keeps people at the top without a doubt getting the right gigs all the time yeah it's, it's collabing and having relationships and friends who are smashing it yeah. and who are good quality at what they do because yeah. your brand's aligned to, with each it's other the brand aligned, so you're going to recommend each other forever aren't you yeah and then the and the, the, the thing that comes from that is ultimately it just needs to be for the the right product for the right Right, so it's just emotionally connecting mm. with if you want the nuts party that's going to go off it's big mm. in 6.15 your, your piece mm. but you know in the same way that you talk about your floral piece that Matt is the same in his world yeah. but that's not for everybody and that's okay it's not because I've spoke to couples before now that have yeah. said oh yeah we've seen all that and it's just too, it's not us we just want something and subtle that's where, and small and in, like, but for the people that do want it and it's just about finding the emotional connect, uh, the emotional connection with the right people. Yeah, and we can touch on a bit more about finding the right clients. I and mean, we know the connections that you create and the networks you create will bring those people to you if they're the right connections. But I tell you what, going back to that Tatton Park, you had all them bookings. You said of three years with the stuff, and they're all going to be in good venues. A lot of them are going to be for great couples. You, you've almost. You've smashed it in one hit there mm. because that three years with the weddings, you're, you're actively out working in top weddings. Yeah. People are going to see you. They're going to tell their friends about it. Yeah. What a springboard that was for you. It was the I don't, best. I don't, I'm not, I'll maybe ask you off because I'm it sure was a, if Tat wonder how much I these remember. things cost, but it was a big investment. It was and it huge, absolutely paid off. Huge, huge investment. And, and I'm sure Tat won't mind me saying this because it's no longer a thing, but what we brought to that show probably after the second year, we bought that much, they gave us a space for free. Right, it's amazing. Because we were bringing people yeah. coming to see the 615 and red floral thing. You became one yeah. of the reasons why people would go to the Tatton Park yeah, show. Yeah, and, and so the first one we did it, it was definitely... A ticketed event. Yeah. yeah. And the first one we did was huge risk from every single perspective. The cost of it was phenomenal we had a big business loan sat for all the kit that we bought to make it happen yeah. the type of sound systems that we bought were all inspired from the clubs so we don't just use small it has to be the bigger mm -hmm. stuff because it's that club link with the brand so we all the clubs that I played at in Ibiza and we've gone with the big the best kit. it had to be that type of kit because that's what we were bringing um, and I remember me and Tom sitting there going this could be the end of us or the making. And we had a, like I said, a loan round our neck. Um, was, it, was it scary? Yeah, and the, and the show, the stand was mega expensive. Everything had to work though. You had to make sure there was enough people there at the event. Yeah. Um, it's a, it was a, I think it was a really good calculated risk though. Yes. It's not like you're just chucking money at something no, hoping no. something's gonna stick. You knew the venue was amazing. There's gonna be brilliant, people in that room exhibiting themselves yeah. and you're going to hopefully get a higher end type of client that's yeah. going to be able to afford your services and they all seem to go to that Town Park show. Yeah, and I think... Um, the one so calculated risk. Calculated yeah. risk and also we knew, I know when you talked before about different operators, I, I also know the amount of work that goes in behind the scenes before you get to an event. So talking about music and all those things, we have that many conversations about it all the time we knew that it was different 
we yeah. believe and we but and ultimately belief there was massive belief at the time between everybody that was involved um even kim that still works with us 10 years later was there from day one kim used to work for us we couldn't even pay her in the early days she was just loved everything that it was about and came and worked for us for free and we were trying to pay her where we could and and that turned into a full-time job mm. for Kim, yeah. you know and but everybody had the belief at the time was yeah, that the one we had all the cars going down the drive and the old that was year three that was year three yeah <laughs> so then you start to get a bit more creative with how you position it so we thought right we can do the stand then we teamed the red and then we want but as Instagram and social media started to grow, we yeah. wanted to get more creative with the content. So this is where we were trying to get a bit of that experience that people were experiencing in person across on social. So we had the smart cars and we drove them like it was. The inspiration was the Italian job. Oh, right, okay. So we had the three yeah, 615 yeah. cars. We drew, we had, we had a unit in Kirkham, not far from here. It was under an archway, so we drove them out of the unit. We set off at 3 a.m. in the morning. We all met there, and we had a full storyboard for that video. We drove there. We, we had people hanging out the back of cars with cameras while we were driving down the roads. and. Yeah, and, but, we, and you, you're talking about making like a promo video there, out of yeah. It, but like with everything you've done, it wasn't just a little promo video. It was next level production. We had it had to be. <laughs> we, we were thinking about what it could be. We thought we have to do more than just point a camera and capture. Yeah. So we did Italian job reference and. Yeah. Well, what you're doing there is you're going the extra mile to really show off your brand and make it a recognisable brand. Yeah. That video, I remember seeing that video loads Everything of times on Everything you socials. do is high-end, top-level yeah. brand. It's getting the attention onto your brand. Yeah. And you do that perfectly. And yeah, I remember seeing them cars thinking, what's he doing now? Look yeah. at him, what are they doing with these cars? But yeah. it just, stuff like that. It's a bit like Ellie really, isn't it? With, yeah. Although she's more personal branding, but with the cars, she gets all them all logos. Absolutely, yeah. Sacks and it sticks in your mind, you remember the brand, don't you? Yeah. And so, so it's, cool. It's, Risky in terms of cost. That's that's but, the piece. It, everything in our business becomes a. But the bigger you go, the more of a statement you make it. Yeah, it's you. You you are constantly for us to deliver anything. The cost is a massive factor because it isn't just we can't just you know me and Cammy can't just rock up and yeah you you can't yeah. you need a team. Mm. Yeah. It's everything that goes on behind the scenes, the music production. I'm sure, I mean, I don't know how closely you work with your clients, but I'm sure you do, where you get a, like a, not a brief, but an idea from then of what yeah. they want to achieve, how do they want it to feel, what sort of music are they? do they want, Absolutely. or what sort of music are they expecting, yeah. and you just deliver that for them. Absolutely. Um, there's so much stuff goes you know goes into well, it. You don't just turn up, play apps and go home. No, no, and I always remember when we set the business up, we didn't really have a reference point as to what good or bad look like. Mm. I just used, I used to, I've always been into fashion and I used to always remember, right. What, where, you remember that haircut? Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, needs, it needs a haircut, I need a haircut. Um, but I always remember the thinking, right, if 615 was a fashion label, what would I want it to be? And I always wanted it to be a Harrods, Selfridges experience than as much as good, great brands they are as a, as a Zara 
cheaper experience because as, as yeah. good as they yeah. both are, mm. they both made me feel two very different ways. One made me feel really stressed and anxious when I'm walking around because there's clothes everywhere mm. and the queues are everywhere. Mm. Whereas one was a bit more premium and it thought about how mm. you felt the queues weren't as big because there were multiple queues. So I we definitely used references in different worlds to try and form what this brand was. This is really interesting because I actually wrote this down last night. Um, I put on here, there was a very obvious brand change from Dax on Sax to 650. Yeah. So I think the question is, was that deliberate? And I suppose I'm why, but you kind of answered it there. Because you, you, when you were, back in the other days, you had the big quiffy and you had the three piece suits. Yeah, yeah. Really sharp suits and you looked amazing. Yeah. But there was, that, there was that time where it switched and you, you went, should we say, cool. Yeah. On trend. Yeah. Um, fashion. Yeah. And it all tied in together really, really, really well. And is I that get, a real deliberate thing to, to use that right? We need to. I need to switch out from this suit. I need to go that. It direction. was probably situational. I and you have to probably remember this journey that I went on. I was a young boy lived in lived in Blackpool all yeah. my life. Went and did a degree, mm. and then I met Tom, who's now my business partner. That threw me into a city centre environment and then when you are around people mm. like that image is everything yeah um and because it we had deli- delivered this product for neighborhood people loved it they emotionally connected with it and you suddenly i had to change the image thing yeah. Yeah. just mm. to become part of you forgot to fit into what it needed to be yeah um and i guess that's where that relation, that brand collaboration there was so important because it not only did it create neighborhood, the business that they had, also created our business. Yeah. yeah. And there was this two, there was this double piece where they both started at the same time. There was, you were in a, a venue that was all about image, how you looked. And I'm not, yeah. there's, there's definitely down, trendy there's down, there's show downsides to that. There's yeah. definite downsides. Um, but image was a huge thing, yeah, and it became a brand. Yeah, so you were cult. thinking about that, right? We need to change our image. Yeah, and that's where we need to be. Yeah, Perfect. and it all aligned. And I guess you said before, timing was everything. Yeah, all of those things happened at the same time. Mm. It's amazing how the world so changes to give you what you want. It's amazing. It was a combination <laughs> of a number of things that all pretty much happened. Because when we did Tatton, you've got to remember we were doing Neighbourhood at that time and everybody wanted to get into Neighbourhood and there was a queue round the block round Neighbourhood every Friday and Saturday. Nobody could get in there. Mm. But they knew that 6.15 were the ones doing all the music and the entertainment and then the next minute we were at the Tatton Wedding Fair. So it was a special moment. Yeah. It was a really bizarre yeah. thing epic epic stuff so I just want to touch on clients then yeah because you've been you've been thrust into great venues you've got the right clients in front of you who can afford to pay what, for what you do but also understand it and yeah. invest into it um, and you know as years go by some things have to change it just a little bit what are you doing anything actively to try and put yourself or find those ideal clients so you know you're gonna get, the inquiries you are gonna get are gonna be from pretty much 
75%, they are going to be the right clients. Do you actively do anything for that or is it just kind of happen naturally with the way that you've... It does happen naturally. I think the way 615's definitely developed beyond a wedding business now and if I was to explain, try and explain what that business now is, we are experience experts. I probably would try and explain it as best yeah. I can. Um, so having affiliations with businesses outside of the wedding industry is probably what fuels the wedding and private event business because we don't just operate now in the wedding industry. Mm -hmm. We still have ties with high-end hospitality. Yeah, We will always have that tie and the work we do there is not just about me going and playing my sax, which the brand started with. It's about how do we change the way people feel? And as long as the brand alignment with the clients sits in the right place and the brand's getting the exposure that it needs, there's a nat we find there's a natural yeah. link between, yeah. oh, we love that, but what a version of that for the wedding. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Weddings are just a small part of what you're doing these days. Yeah. You, like you say, it's, but those you, high you, end you guys deliver an experience. But the, the, we know that a wedding that, client will go, say, to one of our gym clients. They will go to the same hospitality venues. So you've got to work out what these people mm. want from different parts of their life. And we're kind of yeah. involved in different parts of what they do. Does You're in a load of different sectors. So just to touch on one, you obviously do a lot with David Lloyd Gyms. Yeah. Now, David Lloyd Gyms are premium gyms for yeah. busy professional people. Yeah. They're the sort of people whose weddings you want to get. Yeah. So it's putting himself in the right positions to because get the right Because they're the sort clients. of the professionals, young, like motivated, whatever you want to, like stereotypical, they go to, they go to nice gyms and they've got a bit. Yeah, yeah. Money. yeah. So they're gonna they're gonna be having those types of weddings. And I think it's looking at your client and going, what? How does the client live their life, and what do they value? There's that type of client. There's not everybody's like that. Somebody maybe go and use a different gym operator for a different reason, a different value. So it's just tapping into how somebody lives their life and where do they go to eat. Where do they go and work out? What do they yeah. like? And how can we as a brand make them feel good? Mm. And we've just naturally slotted into the premium. But the weddings market. come off the back now of everything else that you're doing. So yes. all the other stuff that you're doing outside of the industry yes. then just feeds back into the Yeah, and we still, we still have great relationships with core venues yeah. and core suppliers, which I think we'll always have. Um, but it's definitely the work outside now that. Yeah, it's a it's another pillar to your marketing. Yes. Really, it's, it's another that, place to get gigs. One thing I wanted to ask because um, you've done a lot of weddings. Yeah. With um, press like OK Magazine, Hello Magazine, yeah. you've, you've featured on celebrity weddings. Yeah. Um, do you find that doing all that other stuff in all these different sectors? Yeah. Does that, does that get you onto the more sort of the the celebrity work, the the weddings that are going to appear in magazines and stuff? Uh, I, I probably haven't got an answer for that. I think you're in with a lot of planners and yeah, we do the planner piece. How did you get into that world? Um, back to the point before, I think it's having ultimate belief in what you do and how you deliver it. And I always, I've always believed that we're bringing a show 
that nobody else I'll believe that in 10, 15 years even probably when it's not a thing mm. um, but I, I've had this sometimes very intense belief that I know and that believe that the show and I think if you have that inner belief you can quite quickly make other people buy into that yeah if you believe and you're creating something ultra special and you've got that yeah. massive belief in it it's going to be polished it's going to be perfect yeah it's, you're going to I also think to answer your question in another way it. I think our links to through our social hospitality circles has also fueled mm. that so I look at and I know I don't mean to bang on about the same venue multiple times but neighbourhood when it was a thing everybody wants to be there wants to be, yeah. Yeah, my network you, yeah. came from that venue and you were plonked right in the middle of it it's we perfect if you're in the right the right places in the high end venues people will find you then yeah and, well, the, and, and the other thing is the market's very different now compared to what it was then the whole experiential thing was completely new then Mm. and it's not the same anymore it's totally different back then people wanted to book a sax player or book a DJ they weren't thinking about I'm booking an experience yes as now I think they definitely are yeah um, I think social media has played a part in that yeah I do I think um, I still think people want to look at content online and not they're going to feel exactly the same way as they would if they were in person but you still want to kind of feel a certain way Um, people because of video content and social media and reels people are exposed to a lot more possibilities aren't they absolutely and and the the competition we've certainly seen that is a lot more than it ever used to be Um, but I think as long as you stick true to how you deliver things there's a point of difference our point of difference has always been the show that's where we try and position Mm -hmm. that and, and there's a number of things that go into making that a thing um, but yeah I think that point of difference brand understanding your core brand principles really important and making sure it's delivered through everything so I know 615 feels right when it's on a wedding but it also feels right when you look at it on Instagram if we do a wedding fair it's going to feel exactly the same yeah. it has to be yeah so understanding the brand brand for me is Key. Going back to like marketing and setting your business up, I've always said you should always have you know not just one offering. There should be multiple offerings, or at least three different offerings of what you do. What I like about you guys is you've got the biggest offering. <laughs> I mean, you can spend a fortune with you. Yes, but that's brilliant because if you didn't have that extra thing there, mm. nobody would ever book it. Yeah, but you're giving the, your client the option to go all out. That's yeah. our top package. It's going to cost them a hell of a lot of money. Yeah. But if you want to go there, that's it. That We've got it. We, 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 we can cater for your needs. And I think sometimes people, they don't have that extra thing sometimes. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I mentioned this years ago. I, I always personally wanted to be a bit more expensive mm. than anybody who I thought was my competition. And sometimes maybe twice as much. Mm. And... I, I'm sh- pretty sure that it helps me get more booking sometimes. Yeah. And that's massive with you guys because you can you can go there. That's your standard kind of six fifteen experience, which is amazing. But we can go here if you like. I think the thing that, <laughs> that that filters through all of those price points, the ethos between behind all of them is still the same. So even though the sound system on maybe our entry level 
isn't as big as the bit, but it's still thought oh, yeah. about. Yeah. Mm. So the thought process behind all of it yeah. is still. So I know we know the clients still getting the ultimate experience at whatever price point. It's a quality offering. It's a club esque offering. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to deliver that, we know we need a production team to do all the setups. It's big kit. It's not small. Yeah. You know we we it's a yeah. big. The kit can be quite big yeah. and the staging's huge and all those types of things and it's heavy. Um, you know. Yeah. So, so what you're saying, no matter what price point people are coming in at, what what budget they've got, yeah, it's still going to be. It's going to be quality. Yes. Quality. I, I'm referring experience. to a gig that I think you did at a venue where you literally changed the venue. You went into a room. It wasn't the same room when you when you guys had set up. It was yeah. like. They they booked the ultimate thing, and yeah. there was, even the chairs and the tables and yeah. the girls walking around. It, it, we had the, the booths. It, it was a yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So and I love that you you can go to whatever level a client wants to go. Yeah. And you can offer that. I think that's why would you not? It's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. As you've um, over the years built up, we talked about the journey of six fifteen, but yeah. obviously, like it was you and Tom at the start. Yeah. How did you start to then build the team? Because now, how many? How many? Have you staff have you got now? Twenty two. It's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's grown a lot. And yeah. like, how, how did you start to? At what point did you did you go right? We need to bring people in. I think you. For me and Tom, it's always been weighing up the creative ability against what a business needs day in day out. So because we've both been so, we were always so active. We were part of that we were the product at points um, and the business needed certain things to happen. So for me, back to core brand belief, customer service, I knew clients would be, need more communication than what I was prepared to be able to give them on my own because if I'm getting in at three and four in the morning, which pre-COVID was a thing every week, yeah. I couldn't come back to people and I would be annoyed with myself if I looked at that and went, well, that's not right. But yeah. just because it was fitting onto my terms doesn't mean it's right for the client. Yeah. So we quickly learn that when you start, if you've got that brand kind of understanding of what's important, so we have a team that looks after the events booking, so that's, um, you know, the dealing with the inquiries that come in. Mm. Um, and then obviously networking and making sure we're keeping relationships alive with venues, planners, all that type of thing. Yeah. Um, because it is the business needed more than what me and Tom could give it on the day to day to actually yeah. work. Yeah. Um, especially in particular, really, for the clients because I didn't want clients waiting mm. longer than. Mm. 24 hours for a response it was really important for us that it was quick because I just think for us it, that was particularly important so I think it's understanding what your strengths are and being realistic about what you can and can't and, do and your, and your drawbacks and going oh, yeah. that's not that's not one of my strengths I need to get someone in my, yeah, has that. my strength is, and I've learnt this more recently is as this team's grown we've grown phenomenally out the back of COVID um, and that's because of the work we're doing outside of the wedding industry yeah, that's yeah. allowed that growth to happen um, my 
role in this business that comes is creative and brand. So that's the question really, because you, you've touched on there, you've, you've, you've brought in, you've expanded your team for the inquiries and the admin type of things. How did you go about growing your creative team? And what was that sort of process? Really, really interesting. I definitely... <laughs> By that, I mean other sax players, your other DJs, your, your, artists, mu- your artists, yeah. your music producers, It starts with a really clear conversation about what they want and what we want. Did you advertise for that sort of role? Or we have, we, we've definitely done, um, we did music colleges. We went around music colleges. Um, we always looked for artists that probably necessarily weren't typical sax players or typical artists. We always looked for people that loved the music yeah. more than the playing. Because... Important for the brand, I would imagine. Yeah. So there was definitely a, not a requirement, but if you look at how people learn to play instruments, you generally come in from a classical background. You are not coming from this world. You've got to adapt into this world. Mm. And it's a very, it's like polar opposites mm. of, of the scale. Because you need personalities, you need Personality, yeah, it, more right. about the performance piece than it is about being the most technically gifted Sax player, for example, yeah. because I know a lot mm. of those that are far more gifted than I am, um, but it became more about probably the love for the music as well, yeah. and, and actually loving what you're playing, so you can deliver that to who you're kind of um, servicing, you know, as a wedding client or a private event client. Um, but then the other side of it, we've always big on, been big on artist development. So we hold sessions in this office oh, okay. regularly. Um, so Cami, who is also a director within the business, right. you know, there's a lot of work goes on around how to help these people from a performance perspective, how to listen to the music, how to, you know, we like to try and pair people up so that they've got regular people that they work with instead of random DJs yeah, and saxes yeah. because I think the partnership is important. The chemistry and you start yeah. to learn the chemistry between the artists. Um, you know, and that's where that's do, quite important. Do they ever come to you? Do you yeah. get people knocking your door saying we want to be part of this all the time. Is it right? Um, but because of where we position in the market it has to be right. So we do have an academy piece that we have within the business that will work with artists for a period of time. You're training people up. So. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we have that embedded in the business. We have artists coming here all the time. Um, so Jasper, who works with us, for us, yeah. um, you know, helps with that. Cammy's at the helm of that side of it. Um, so we do have an academy within the business designed to, that doesn't always mean to say the artist is the right fit because it's got to be the right fit for them and the brand yeah 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 but where it works out well it you know generally I think if they've got that passion at the beginning that real passion for the music like you say yeah yeah and the creative type of person they just need that little bit of training to come into your world yeah into your brand and then yeah. they'll, they'll be smashing it's great that you offer that for, the, for their development but also then does it help with the trust element then if you've trained them and you know that they're then right it comes with its challenges it comes with its challenges but I think as long as you always have honest open communication which generally speaking we've always had I actually don't think you have a problem 
So as long as you can maintain integrity, honesty, and have a real clear line of communication to voice any, you know, problems, or if somebody wants to go and do something that's necessarily different to what we do as a brand, as long as the lines of communication are there, yeah. and everybody's being honest, I actually don't think you have a, an issue. Yeah. You know, I think you've got to maintain some core... I suppose the last thing you don't want is a D, one of your DJs going out and going on a completely different tangent and doing his own thing. Yeah. And... Because who knows what's going to happen. You know, it, does you know, a cha- it does become a challenge, but generally speaking, you know, I know we, you know, are trying to give advice, trying to better people. Mm. Um, and in the long run, for any problems that we do have of that type of nature, we have far more successes than we do yeah. issues yeah. so you weigh it up you're going to get people that will come and grow 100%. and come and go and yeah and that you know a that, different turn that's going to happen I want to do my own thing now yeah it's and that's going to happen I think the key thing is honesty and communication open lines of communication with any of your team members all the way through right from the ground yeah. all the way through to the top um, is, is the key really yeah couple of questions that we always end on for all the guests yeah um, so um, do you want to ask the what would you do one yeah go so, on then. so we we always ask everyone if oh, you go you ask it then in the <laughs> in the when industry still but if yeah. you weren't doing what you're doing what would you do as a different role within the wedding industry within the wedding industry within within the wedding so industry just to give you a few examples and sacks and stuff what yeah. would you do so like um you know, I, Any, I, I'd like to have been a DJ if I was doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. What what other role do you think you'd really like to do? Question. What have you been doing? It? Where do you thought? You know, I, I could do that. I quite like. Well, blah, would blah, blah, would like you that. even would you even want to be in the wedding industry? <laughs> yes. You've got to say yes because you don't want to I piss would. off the wedding I would. world. I would. I would. Because then there's a real. There is a when when you find your place in it. I think it wraps its arms around you and welcomes you. It's it's a it's a great world. And to I do be, believe that you know I think when you find your place, the challenge is finding your place yeah. and your fit. But I think when you find your place within it, it I found a, I found my place in weddings and like it just like it, it, it wraps arms around me and I just went with it and it just felt right. You yeah. Know? So I, it's 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 great. It's a great world to be in. You know, and I think if it feels right, the industry has a. Uh, an in, inert ability to wrap its arms around those people mm. um, and build community within yeah, sure. that yeah. as well. I, I think one of the, if I look back at our business, and I will answer your question in a second, because we have diversified the business in other areas and our strategy is probably very different to a typical wedding operator. Yeah. We probably aren't as embedded into the wedding community as certain people because our focus certainly yeah, the strategy is very different doing, yeah. Yeah. does that make sense yeah because we always say you're not you fully out, fully in the wedding world are you yeah. Yeah. not fully but we are but you are but just, just and, but, and one we, part we always it. will be but we attack our strategy is very different mm. yeah okay um, but in answer to your question what would I do I would probably do. Oh, this sounds really naff. Anything doesn't matter. I like, feel like 
Because I'm a creative person, it would have to be something like floristry. I think so. Yeah, because I get a kick out of making something happen from nothing and that gives you the same ability to do that. You can go into a white, white room and, transform it. and transform it from something. Yeah. That's where my yeah, passion and buzz comes from. So do I have a passion for flowers? No, not at all. But the ability to, to do space. that, yeah. that's what I get the kick off. Yeah. Transforming nice. that space. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing we always ask people is, is what is your most like craziest wedding story that you, and you okay. guys must see a lot oh, at the end of the night grief. you know is there anything that <laughs> which stands ones can out I say which ones can I can't you can say anything it can be it can be <laughs> embarrassing no on your part or it can just be a wild crazy thing that I have guest got has one done. I have got one so there was a wedding uh, and it actually resulted in a bit of an injury for me it was a nightmare but it was very embarrassing so I did a wedding at Culture Hall and at Colshaw, they've got a big stage. Yeah. Yeah, and we have all the kit set up on the stage. Perfect well, for you guys, yeah, yeah. perfect. I, as you'll both know, and we've discussed, the show is everything. So when I came on, it doesn't, I don't just go, it's, there's a lot that happens. The intro track started, the lights started, everything. I literally jumped into the middle of the stage and I fell off. The stage, <laughs> literally, but my knee, I, I, I actually really severely injured my knee, but I remember falling off and I carried on for the whole 15 minutes, but to have that happen instantly. Uh, that was your introduction? As my <laughs> intro. Oh, no. and Welcome I to the fell. stage, that's yeah. off sat. Bang. And I fell huh. in front, and there was 100 people looking at me. Did, you jump, I, did you jump up? Did you straight straight style it out? Yeah. Carried on. Yeah, styled it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I actually went to hospital after that because it was that bad. But I fell oh. off the stage in front of a hundred people on. Yeah, it's right. The the intro. Off, it yeah. was the oh. worst. Take it, your worst time. Didn't. Yeah. You didn't damage your sax. Yeah. Did you yeah. save your sax. Yeah, always. I always oh. do. I've got a, like yeah. like a baby. You turned in. Yeah. And took it on <laughs> your back. In. Because we and yeah, like when I when we are. Oh, Entertainment, we get involved with the crowd. So I've kind of yeah, now yeah. navigated over ten years. Because just nobody knock your sacks and it like hits you in the mouth. And got a kind of a way of. Oh, yeah, you find your rhythm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even if it's knocking people out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the most. Like when the videographer's in your face like this. Yeah. I, I've injured myself on loads of weddings. Pulled my calf mid set, sitting on a chair, and the legs going and. Falling flat on the arm, yeah. and you just make a bit of a joke about it. I mean, I think I, you, actually, you, I actually remember one with you, and I don't know if you, I hope you won't mind me saying it, but we did a wedding together. Go on, your pants split. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've split. That pants. used to happen all yeah. the time. Yeah. I remember that. It's not happened since I've lost a bit of weight, though. It's when I was a bit, <laughs> when I was a bit tubby. I was a bit tubby at one yeah, stage in my career. And I remember because I, I, I black gaffer tape. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I remember it well. It's never good. Can you leave us a question for, for the, the next, next guest? guest? Wedding business related ish. Yeah. Um, kind of. I've got a question. If you were to start your business again in the wedding industry, what one thing would you do differently to what you did in your journey to date? 
Dax from six fifty. Mate, thank you very much. It's been, it's been mega. Thank you. Do you know what? So I was good. quite nervous because I don't. I said to you before, I don't really. I've not done. But I've really enjoyed it. You were great, mate. It was brilliant. It thank was really enjoyed it. Good. And thank you both for your time. Yeah. Interesting journey, man. Interesting cool. journey. Yeah. Right. Thanks for sharing it with us, mate. We thank appreciate you. it. All right. Yes. Peace out. Bye. Music. Fade out. Fade out. Fade Russell. Out. Russell Papers. Anchorman. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks so much for listening. We really hope that you found this episode insightful, inspirational, and if you did enjoy that, then please consider subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts: iTunes, Spotify. We're Think Wedding Business. We're also on YouTube and Instagram. So if you want to watch us, you can go over to YouTube and find us at Think Wedding Business and the same over on Instagram to keep up with all of our future episodes. We'd really love you to subscribe and join us on this journey. And if you do like this content, please consider giving us a five-star review. It just helps us get seen and helps spread the word. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.